Welcome to episode 26 of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. Uh, this episode we return to our regular scheduled broadcasting, which is the rest of the AEW inaugural tag team tournament to name their first ever tag team championships. Championships? Champions? Um, and we last time we watched the first semi-final match between Lucha Bros and Private Party, where the Lucha Bros won. This time we watched the other semi-final match, between SoCal Uncensored and The Dark Order. And this was your first ever view in The Dark Order since their first actual match was on a pay-per-view and not on a TV show. So nobody has seen them yet. Um, so, Laura, your star rating, please. Uh, I think I'll give it a 3 out of 5 because I liked the length of it. There was some really good and impressive like physical wrestling and I got, I feel like I had a bit of a gist of who the teams were and some of the stories and stuff from the commentators and the things that they said but some of the stuff with the ref i didn't like not because the ref's fault she was great but the way that they planned a lot of stuff to happen and use her to aid or like abet the other teams uh and then i did not like the surprise uh celebrity entrance at all in the middle and that literally the audience, like, they cut back to the wrestling ring and the audience isn't even looking at the wrestlers in the rings. They're too busy just gawking at this person who is showing off that I'm here to watch the match for no I reason. I felt so bad for the people in the ring. Just right? getting totally overshadowed by this guy walking through like, the crowd. Like, it just drove me nuts. I'm just like, why would you do that to the people? Like, how, maybe at the top of the match, before they've started, he could have come out and done that. Or exactly, like, that, that's the matches. thing. Like, that's the thing is, I get why they did it, because that's a Chris Jericho and his faction. And it played into a story later on in the show, right? Like, there ends up been a point to that, and it's a storytelling thing. But you could have just done it, like, just after both teams did their entrances. But yeah, exactly. But before the match had started. Exactly. Like, you know, like, you didn't have to do it mid-match and totally. Because the crowd wasn't very into this match anyway. Like, they were pretty quiet for, like, the first half of the match. So they're not really, the crowd's not really into it anyway. And then you start walking like the biggest star in the company through the crowd. Like the crowd just didn't care about this match at that point. Like the crowd cared and, way and more And also the that. camera work, like I care about the match, but of course we now have to take time to cut away from the match to cut to him doing yeah. literally nothing, but just and the taking his start, seat to watch, but and, that's all. And the wrestlers start just doing like rest holds in the ring because they know the camera's not on them. So the wrestling proper tones down while all that's happening as well. Yeah. Like. So the it match really probably could have gotten like a four or like four and a half if it wasn't for that. So now I give it a three. I I'm also totally give it higher because I give props to the wrestlers for still though like performing really well and with that happening. But like it was, I didn't feel a drop in energy from them even when the crowd wasn't watching them. So props to them. Yeah, and uh, I just feel so bad for them, like because it's not their like it's nothing to do with them, like but they just got like overshadowed and it feels bad. One good thing about it though is after, like, as although the, the crowd wasn't into the match, and then that happened, and the crowd got super hyped, and then I don't know really how it happened, but the crowd's hype for seeing Chris Jericho, like, then transitioned to the match because then once they started paying attention to the match again, they were super into it and were proper loud for the rest of the match after that point. It's fucking weird, dude. Fucking weird. Which, like, maybe it's, like, they thought because, like you said, the crowd wasn't so invested. They're, like, this might be a way to bring up the energy. But I still think that would have happened if you brought him in right before it started and not during to make everyone literally turn away. Because it still resulted in 
a good 30 to 60 seconds just like no one watching them while they're doing stuff and then still for the rest of the match onward people looking back and forth and the camera having to keep cutting back to him and us missing stuff what was your thoughts on dark order since this was your first time seeing them uh, I liked them. They they managed to do be like the heels and do healy things without making me feel like you're disgusting people. So I liked that. And I wrote a note, my wannabe goth heart loves this, their intro and like the music in their little video reel was great. And I it might be just because being like social distancing and stuck at home, I've uh, been playing lots of like Eldritch Horror board game and the Arkham Horror card game. Uh, so I was like, I was also getting with their weird, like creepy, like half mad cult minion, like people that followed them into the ring and they made like a human throne to sit on. I was just like, it's weird, but I'm here for it. It's unique. I like it. And also I was like a bit of a nod to Voldemort and his ministry of magic statue of magic is might just like sitting on all the humans as they sit on those people. And then they, they wrestled pretty well. So I was like, yeah, I, I like them as a team so to give you some backstory on dark order uh both like their situation in AEW and them as wrestlers because it's important because you know how i said the crowd wasn't into this match at all like they yeah. seemed really quiet Th- there's a reason for that which is the two wrestlers in dark order are really fucking good like you say they wrestled you know pretty well and this was far from the best I've seen of them. Like, they are really good wrestlers. You know, they wrestled in PWG. Enough said. Um, but the thing is, just as they were starting to get really big in PWG and starting to, you know, really get a name for themselves, they got a travel ban. Like, one of them got banned from being able to travel to the United States of America. They're originally okay. from Canada. Okay, I was about to ask. And Canada... I like them more now. Go Canada. And Canada doesn't really have the biggest wrestling scene in the world. Most no, of we the do not. famous Canadian wrestlers just go to America and make it big there, like Chris Jericho and Kenny or Omega. Kenny. Yeah. Um, so they sort of disappeared off the face of the planet for like four years. I was going to make a comment about that because, again, like they made a note about the commentator saying the Dark Order vanished, but just the choice of the word vanished... And because her name being Dark Order, and again, I'm just in a high, like, eldritch fantasy mind. I was, I, my brain just went, oh my god, TV show, wrestling spinoff, like a wrestling show, but it has supernatural elements. And maybe it's like there's wrestlers making deals with, like, deities for, like, titles. That exists. But then they have to pay. It's called Lucha and, Underground. <laughs> well, but, like, even more so. Like, play way, way more. Like, take the good, when Supernatural, the TV show used to be good. Take that. And I want it mixed with wrestling. And this is a thing I want in my life now. There's a moment in Lucha Underground where someone literally gets murdered and put into a casket and then comes back to life as a zombie and beats people up. And the owner of the le- like promotion dies. And then the very same actor appears at the next show and claims to be his twin brother. Like, <laughs> Lucha Underground gets fucking weird, dude. <laughs> like... That sounds kind of hilarious. Lucha Underground has a lot of that sort of stuff in, like, oh, weird cultish shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, which is, when we did the, our episode on Lucha Underground, I said that, like, Lucha Underground got famous not necessarily for the wrestling in the ring, but, but for, for, the like, soap the, opera-ness of Yeah, it. and that doesn't really come across when you're just watching a match, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, so they actually disappeared off the face of the planet for four whole years, 
and it kind of totally killed any and all momentum they had. And That sucks. And it happened just before they potentially got picked up by a bigger organisation or whatever or got their break. So when they disappeared, they were still just indie dudes. So nobody except for really hardcore wrestling fans has any idea who these people are. But because the AEW staff know how good they can be, they push them pretty hard. But, but because, they lost. But because the crowd don't know who the fuck they are, the crowd isn't going along with it. You know what I mean? And is that, like, is that why like, they had them lose? Because they want to just wait till they get a bit more yeah. establishing, yeah. establishing in the AEW world? And for the record... Because the crowd clearly loved SCU, so I guess maybe yeah. they figured the crowd wouldn't accept it or like take it well if... Mm-hmm. And for the record, they've done an incredible job of rebranding them. Like, they're still the Dark Order and stuff like that, but they've really built them up now to the point where, like, they started talking about having an Exalted One who was leading them. And, like, who the Exalted One was for the past few weeks has been, like, one of the biggest storylines in AEW. It's so more of like my, this... my supernatural wrestling TV show. It's more of what I want, yes. Evil so conquerors, like, bring it to So, me. like, this team that literally nobody cared about, who, as you hear in here, has gotten no reaction whatsoever, has successfully been built up over time to, like, one of the, sort of, biggest angles on the show. Well done, AEW. Good job. But that hopefully clears up a bit why the crowd literally doesn't seem to give two shits about these people because they're small indie wrestlers who disappeared for four years. You know, like... And also, another thing that sort of makes the whole shit with Chris Jericho walking through even worse is that Dark Order, you know they won a match to get a buy in this tournament? Yeah. That happened on a pay-per-view, not on the TV show. So this is actually most of AEW's audience, because not many, not as many people get the pay-per-views as watch the show. Especially since the, the up to this point where we're watching, AEW's pay-per-views happened before they had a TV show. So their audience now is much, much, much bigger than when they did those pay-per-views. So this is most people's first ever, like just like you, it's most people's first ever experience with the Dark Order. It's the first thing they've ever seen of them. Their first and you're forcing me to look away at Jericho and a bunch of dudes being obnoxious and like yes. throwing popcorn everywhere. It just makes it all the worse that they did it in a team's first ever TV match. You know? It just makes it even worse. Gross. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, but we're, we're, on a, we're in agreement on that. And I think basically most people were. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like, you know you're saying about the Creepers? Like, uh-huh. creepy dudes. I'd hate to be one of them, having right. to act, like super fucking weird and get pushed around and getting sat on. Sat like, on, literally. Literally, and getting no attack. Like, you know, you're not going to get your break in wrestling by doing that, are you? Like, you know? Like, drums just suck. Um, Another note on their entrances that I had is I fucking love Stu Grayson's look. Like, the like Viking face paint. Yeah, he, he looks pretty cool. And he has a legit eight pack. Like, dude is ripped as well. Like, he's not the biggest person in the world. He makes me feel insecure about myself. I'm not even a male. He's not the biggest person in the world. Like, he's not, you know, huge. But he's just shredded. You know what I mean? Like, he, he has that proper, like, lean, toned muscle. It's fucking hench. Crazy. Crazy times. Okay. 
Well, yeah, then just, I think, I think that was my only, oh, my only other, before we get into, like, specifics, uh, I just had a random thought, but intrigued get your opinion on it, again, for those who do not know, and we, at the end of each podcast, we mentioned that we, like, stream on Twitch and stuff, but it's because of, uh, Twitch and streaming that Hanzo and I met, um, and I was watching, I was like, AW compared to WWE is, like, Mixer to Twitch. AW has a superior platform, superior, like, storyline, superior. So, like, a lot of the, on a technical level, it is so superior to WWE. But WWE is just that much longer established and just has the numbers that they're just so hard to challenge, even when you know you're better. (laughs) Like, just, what intrigued if you share that opinion or not. I mean, it happens all the time. Like, it's one of the reasons monopolies are so hard to break. I talk about all the time, like, whenever someone tries to set up competition to YouTube or competition to Twitch, is you don't just have to get the viewers across, you have to get the content creators across as well. And that's very, very hard to do because the content creators won't want to swap platforms because their audience isn't there and the audience don't want to swap platforms because the content creators aren't yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, I, even, it's, though, even though I made that comment, I still stream on Twitch. I don't stream on Mixer or anything for that reason. <laughs> and it's the same in sort of wrestling. Like, you've got to try and get the audience... But the audience won't come because they're wrestlers they enjoy aren't there. So you try to get the wrestlers, but the wrestlers won't come because you're not the biggest, you know, company. Like, it's a, it's a very, very... It does, it's why monopolies are so hard to break. You know what I mean? It's almost impossible. But AEW are doing really well for themselves. They regularly get, like, just under a million viewers, which is enormous. Anyway, so that was just like an errant thought I had halfway through while watching. Don't know why. But I, I really <laughs> enjoy, though, getting into the sort of business side of things. Like, if you don't want to discuss that more, uh, you know, like I, I, get, I could go on about, like, the numbers <laughs> for ages. Whole you know? new podcast incoming, everyone. Let's go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't have time for another podcast at the moment. As much as there's so many things that I could just endlessly rant about on the internet. Anyway. Um... So yeah, start going through. Oh God, my cat's back. Tika. Oh well, you guys get a cat for this episode. I thought she left and I didn't think she'd come back so soon. Anyway. Um, so the match started and I also was like, alright, I felt like I was going to like this match pretty quickly off the bat because off the top, Lots of flippy shit. Lots of just getting right into it. And both both guys looking very polished, very clean. And I was like, alright, I'm here for it. Um, and then immediately we have the first of a few incidents that I don't blame the ref for because she seemed great. She had personality. It was Aubrey something is her name. She was doing her job. But clearly the way they'd set up the match and the storytelling in this match was the ref would come in when people were like not tagging properly or breaking the rules. But then she was like focusing or while she was telling off the person who was only minorly a problem, the other two, so like Dark Order, being able would then go and double team on like the active SCU guy in the ring. And I was, I just want to be like, ref, turn around. Scorpio is not the problem. Turn around. But clearly they're using her. Um, uh, they did that a few times throughout the match. And there was one time where I liked it. Most of the time I didn't because it just seemed... Like, she seemed so competent, and even just from the little we saw her, it seemed so good at her job that I didn't buy that she would just have her back turned to be missing what was going on behind her, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's one of those things like that's why in some companies, like in back in the old days, you had different refs who had different specialties and stuff like that. And you'd have like some, you know, refs you could get away with a bit more and some stricter refs, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And you had the refs have different personalities so then you could do stuff like this. Whereas like you say, if you get the ref who appears super competent and super on top of things and takes no shit from anyone, yeah. and then suddenly one match has to play the idiot. Because she also was like you know, right up just... in there. Like I, half the time I almost thought she was going to get hit by like a foot, and a flying foot or a fist or something because she was right up in there. At one point, a guy literally stepped on her shoulders. Like she was not afraid to get in the action. And the one time I did like it was they used it Maybe it's part of it was because it was against Dark Order. But, um, like, uh, Uno from Dark Order had, I think it was Scorpio, but he had one of them in a pin, and she was so busy telling off the other guy that she missed about a second and a half of the counting. So then she ran over, like, being like, oh, shit, ran over and started counting, but they only got to two before he kicked out. And then the commentators mentioned that she probably could have got to three if she'd been over there faster. Um, and that one I just thought was... Maybe I didn't mind as much because at least it's like we're going to make a comment of that. This has happened now multiple times in the match where the wrestlers have purposely distracted her so that they get an advantage in some other way. And it was usually Dark Order doing it. So now it was kind of fun to see it turn on them and not work for them. But overall, I still didn't like it that much. I, I could have done without it all like that type of usage of their ref because she seemed really great the rest of the time. On the subject of people tagging in and out and doing double teams and stuff like that, I don't know if you agree with this statement, but this is something I felt. I felt out of the matches we've watched so far of AEW, this was the most controlled tag team match we've seen Absolutely. So far. Even though at one point, both the commentators and me were like, wait, who's the active man or the legal man? Like, no one knew. But usually it gets to that a lot sooner and that's more often. Like, there's only one moment in the match where they were like, wait, crap who is it and we had to remember but for and the most also, part all the tags were pretty clear and evident and even when they were doing 2v1 it was always for kind of shorter periods periods of time it never went on for what felt like eternities like there have been other matches we watched where it felt like how is no one stopping this it's now been like minutes of just illegal nonsense also a note on that moment where they got confused is it was when that double submission happened, you know, where they got mm. both members of Dark Order in a submission yeah. were trying to get them both to tap out. You'll notice that after that got broken up, like, the not-legal man from both t- teams, while selling their injuries, sold them by rolling out of the ring. So you ended so up clever. with just the two legal men in the ring. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so that's what so I mean. Like there was a brief then, moment of confusion, but then they cleared it up very quickly. Yeah, and... so like even in that situation, they went straight back to, nope, here's the two legal men in the ring. Like, Yeah, I thought this was one of the clearest matches to follow that we've watched for sure. It also 100% followed my normal um, pattern of prediction where Dark Order was dominating off the top, Scorpio getting wrecked. I'm like, all right, so SCU is going to win. And sure enough, SCU wins. But of course, now that you've filled me in on some Dark Order's history, I probably could also have predicted that before the match even started. But so I'm less, I'm less smart also now that <laughs> Now that we know SCU are in the finals and that's not spoiler anymore. You, I'll, I'll sh- like show you a bit of the sort of storytelling and how far in advance they set things up. Do you remember the first ever match we watched in this tournament? It was Young Bucks SCU. and Private Party, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Second. 
The yeah. second one, then, we watched SCU Looking versus Best Friends. Yeah. And before the match, Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground, the Lucha Bros came out. Oh, yeah, out. they came in and did something weird. They attacked SCU. And the reason we, like, thought at the time was because they just, you know, would have a match, you know, later in that day and they would just been in nuisance and stuff like that. And they but, wanted to remove the bigger threat. Yeah. Well, now they're in the finals against the team they attacked. Dun, dun, dun. They set it up all the way back then. Well, I mean, I would have expected that because they, they've had this plan for probably even longer than that. Cause yeah, no, was... but it's just, you know, it's good when, you know, things actually have continuity and, like, lead to logical conclusions, you know? like Well, everyone loves callbacks. Every, and no matter yeah. what the medium is, everyone loves... Like, I still remember one of my favourite... Um, like, I've probably mentioned it before. We're in episode 26, but, like, I'm obsessed with Harry Potter, right? And one of my favourite moments reading the series that I ever had was reading the final book and... When it's the reveal of the, the, the engraving on the snitch, I open at the close and how you, uh, snitches can open and hide objects in them. And in the very first book, Harry caught that snitch, but his mouth was what touched it. And it's a skin thing, like, because he swallowed it. It wasn't his hand. So it meant that the thing inside was protected. He could hold it in his hand and no one would see him opening it, but then he could privately alone touch it to his lips and open it up. And that moment of being like, back to book one, she planned this the whole time, whether or not it's true, because... JK's gone crazy, so who knows what's going on in her brain now. There's also but, a lot of plot holes in yeah. Harry Potter because she, she'll introduce a new thing and then you're like, but if they didn't have this the whole time, why didn't they do this though? But either way, that level of like uh, I choose to believe it was 100% intentional and calling it back, like, like that was such a great moment of just being like, oh my god. So like in any medium, whether it's a video game, a movie, a book, or like wrestling, everyone loves to see that. When you see small things that you noticed but didn't really think would be more than that small moment. I think the master of that, in my experience, is fucking George R. R. Martin. Not in the show for Game of Thrones, because that, you know, went we don't a bit talk off the about rails. Show anymore. <laughs> but the books, he is the master of that. He'll mention something just in passing in, like, a throwaway sentence in the first book. And then it'll become relevant like five books later and tie in in some massive way. And it's like, how? How? <laughs> oh, no, the best. Uh, and then we'll go back to wrestling, I swear. Um, we have a book moment. The best one, if you want to be throwaway sentences that just are mind bombs. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, also the king of things that you never could have ever predicted or foreseen from earlier books all of a sudden coming back and being incredibly relevant and having crucial importance and reveals and what the the top two moments one of them is in the Mistborn series the other one in just a compendium of short stories not even one of his core series one character just casually offhand says one single sentence and in that one sentence almost every book series that you think are separate universes he's ever written all knit together and show how they're linked into one universe he calls the cosmere and you're just like holy shit it was like the craziest thing i called my friend who reads his books and i was like ben have you seen this and we were like freaking out so yeah it was so good highly recommend anyone if you like books read brandon sanderson and if you like Game of Thrones and want to see it actually done well and competently, go read the books. They're great. Do that too. Okay. So we were still like early on in the match. The ref 
I said, don't yell at the nice female ref stew was my note. Uh, and then she starts yelling at Scorpio to stay out of it. But I was like, I get it, but I don't like it. Again, I get it because it's enabled Dark Order to do the thing they were planning to do because she wasn't looking. Which was double team Frankie Kazarian. Uh, but then Frankie Kazarian eventually knocks down or like knocks away Uno to tag in Scorpio. And Scorpio enters nice and hot with a big old drop kick. Looked pretty sick. I noticed this match overall had also lots of moves that utilized the full like diagonal of the ring. Like lots of moves where they would gain momentum and get like running starts really use that distance. Which I liked. It also made the match feel really dynamic and really mobile not super static there's lots of some wrestling where it's like oh you're still doing some hella wrestling but a lot of it took place in like one corner of the ring or you've just been standing in those spots just wailing on each other you know so i liked the movement in this match as well one Um, thing i noticed in this match that's like it's just a observation so it don't really fit anywhere notes wise and i don't know if you felt this as well but like the match itself sounded really quiet to me Compared to the commentary. Like, whenever they did a slam, it sounded quiet. The strike sounded quiet. The, like, chops sounded quiet. When the wrestlers tagged, you couldn't really hear it. Like, the commentary just seemed way too up compared to, like, the match. I mean, I made one note later on about one specific chop uh, that Uno gave Sky that you heard, and it sounded intense. But maybe because that one sounded and looked so much more brutal because it was one of the only sound effects that really stuck stood out so i didn't mind i didn't miss that at all actually just the sfx from the ring yeah, if you fair will. enough like i don't think it was like mass- like it's the sort of thing where it's just audio levels you know what i mean like one knob's turned down a bit too much and the other knob's turned up a bit too much. you know what i mean like it's easily fixable it's not a massive problem but it just like i just sort of noticed it and was like man i can't hear any of it. i can't hear anything like two wrestlers tag each other and i couldn't hear the tag i'm like Where's all the sound? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then then I have a bunch of notes about my Supernatural Wrestling TV show because a commentator said the Dark Order vanished. And I got, I'm not going to lie, I got a bit distracted writing notes about a Supernatural Wrestling spinoff. And my next note, I know we skip over a bunch, but is the part where they like slam Scorpio's head into the steel steps in the apron because that also was one of the moves that like I physically felt. I was like, ow, oh, ow, So ow. I think there's two things that I noted that I think are before this point. One is where Stu Grayson, like, the guy's on the apron outside, like, on the apron on the outside of the ring. And Stu Grayson, like, flicks over the top rope and, like, lands his back on the person on the apron. Damn. Did you see that one? Uh, Yeah, no, now that you've said, I think I saw it, like, in the corner of one eye while I was typing notes on my other monitor, but I did see it, yes. It's such a cool move, and, like, because he's, like, the only person I've ever seen do it, like, unique moves always stand out, you know? Yeah. And then there's a moment where Stu Grace and Evil Uno are both in the ring, and I can't remember who to do it on, but, like, Stu Grayson, like, picks them up with one arm, just, like, spins around and slams them onto the back. And then, like, uh, Evil Uno does a senton off the top rope, which is like a sort of half front flip, so you land back on the person. It's just a great combo. It looked so good. And Stu is hench as fuck, just lifting someone up with one arm and spinning them around. Like, okay, Stu Grayson. It's like, all right, Conan the Barbarian, calm down. But yeah. And then Scorpio's head into steel steps. 
And they just showed before the other guy is going to be out for six to eight weeks because his head, in theory, hit the steel entry ramp. So I'm just like, guys, have we learned nothing? What? No heads coming into contact with steel, please. No more. No more. Um, and then I had my note about Dark Order has been dominating early. So I think SCU will win. Plus the crowd really likes them. And then one part, the next, there's, he gets back in the ring and Stu Grayson is pulling Scorpio by like the waistband of his pants. And it just like, I was thinking of like kids in the playground, like trying to give him a wedgie. It just looked so silly. And I was like, I would have thought there was a rule against that. Like using their clothing. But then I was like, actually, I'm sure we've seen that loads of times when they use bits. Oh, excuse me. Hiccups. Bits of their costume just to get an extra grip or to pull them closer or do something. But it looked funny. And then and then we have Scorpio like crawling to the corner of the ring, like trying to get uh, to tag Frankie Kazarian. And then Uno's just like, nope, and just like bops Frankie away from the corner. Like not a huge thing, but just enough that Frankie falls and Scorpio can't tag him. And I was like, well played. That's the kind of like, see, legal interference. I like that because you're not in the ring. You're not like two of you against one you're not messing with like the legal men but you're still doing what you are within your rules to do from outside the ring the best bit was how they set that up because he didn't just run around the outside of the ring to get there he'd done like an illegal bit of interference like they had both people in the ring and scorpio sky like hit him with a move and rolled him out of the ring and that's where he ended up rolling to so it was like a supernatural, like, he just happened to end up over by Frankie Kazarian. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it was set up in a really natural, logical way. And I, I like that. I like when things flow into one another, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it means they look less like dicks because it's like, well, I'm here. I have this opportunity. I'll take it rather than, oh, I'm a car, but I'm going to run over there and just do this just to stop you. Like, I just, I, I enjoyed that moment. Um, where did I go? There we go. And then there was one move that then followed after that. I think it was just a bad camera angle for us because Uno did something off the top rope. Couldn't tell you what it was called, but it looked like it barely touched him. Like it looked like Uno, maybe his body glanced off of his shoulder a little bit. Like there wasn't much contact actually made. So I was like, well, that seemed a little odd looking because... He's now selling an injury that I saw didn't touch him, but okay. Meow. Bound to happen sometimes. My cat agrees, apparently. Don't know if you heard her. <laughs> um, and then we have like, another one of those moments with the ref where the they started like mul multiple people in the ring, but then she chooses to hold back one of the SCU teammates, ignoring Dark Order, actively breaking the rules. So I was like, no, turn around. I didn't like it. And then he, one of them starts doing, I think it was Stu, does this weird, like, neck twisting move where he's, like, just starting to put pressure on and twist Scorpio's neck. And obviously, you can tell it's like they're stopping before it's going to really fuck up his neck because that's a very dangerous part of someone's body to be pushing to the edge, right? But because of that, I didn't really like the look of it very much. Like, I don't buy it. I know that you're not actually going to be doing anything that could even potentially hurt his neck because that's too vital, like your spine and everything that's there. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but like on the opposite end, I think moves like that can be really good because like we've all had our head turned a bit much 
and we all know how painful it is. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, we've had this discussion many a times, like, when you see someone do, like, a 750 triple hurricane rana, like, nobody has a fucking clue how painful that'd be. But, like, when you see someone just get their neck twisted, you're like, yeah, that's gonna fucking hurt. Like, I, I know how painful that'd be. It looks really painful. I mean, I can't do, but all the stuff that I usually watch and I go, oh, and, like, I feel it has been the crazy wrestling moves. Again, I don't need to have any experience with the move to know it's going to hurt. I just need them to sell it to me. So it's their, that's the point. It's their job to show me how much this crazy thing just hurt them. Because yeah. he also didn't even seem that bothered by the neck thing, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that's true if they don't, like, sell it. But then again, like, it's like a... When we watch, like, the Japanese women's match, like, when they were just, like, kicking each other in the fucking stomach super stiff. It's like, ow. <laughs> like, you yeah. know? It's just a kick, but fuck. <laughs> yeah, and then right after the neck twisting is where we heard that one, the one chop that I heard through the whole match. And I, like, it, it must have echoed throughout that arena, reverberated through, like, the whole city. Like, if you were saying the audio's quiet, but, like... Do you remember the moment I'm talking about? Because I do, yeah. I'm sure you must have noticed if you were. It was as I was else. writing my note. It's as if they did it to spite me. Like, I was, <laughs> as I was writing a note about how quiet the matches and you just see this fucking thunderous chop. I'm like, okay. Okay. And then right after that, the thing we've already talked about, why we hated it, but Chris Jericho and his inner circle coming in to watch and they also do it so obnoxious like he's like waving his tickets around like i'm allowed to be here i bought these like 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 they tell you to go away even if you didn't have tickets it's your fucking promotion chris jericho like what what is the point of this and i like chris jericho i liked his episode of hot ones a lot i've watched some other stuff he's done he's my boyfriend's favorite wrestler so i've watched a bunch of his stuff that he sent me but was not a fan of this moment. And I even wrote, without backstory, this just seems so dumb and obnoxious. Because so I was assuming there I was mean, a reason for it. That's sort of the point is, like, Chris Jericho in AEW is a heel. You're meant to dislike him. So he, that's why he's been so... Jericho. That's why he's been so obnoxious and douchey is because he's meant to be obnoxious and douchey. That makes so me then sad. you want to see him lose. That's it's storytelling. You set someone up as a bad guy so people want to see them lose. And he is But I want the him to win. I want him to win and then not be a dick. That's what I want. Anyway. Him him <laughs> to form a tag team with Kenny Omega, the two Canadians against the yeah. world. <laughs> team Canada. Anyway. And then our note again, the poor wrestlers trying to do their thing. The crowd literally isn't even looking at them. Like, Uno, Dark Uno pulls off a hanging neckbreaker and no one saw it but us. Because we were watching the camera angle and not the people in the ring turned around trying to catch a glimpse of Jericho. But, and when Kazarian got tagged back in, it seemed to be when the crowd kind of like pivoted back. And we're back to watching the match and paying attention. And it's a good thing they did because Kazarian just comes in hot, comes in with a flying forearm, a leg drop, like all these things that just look And my favourite moment of the match happened. It's not even actually to do with the match itself. It's to do with the crowd. It fucking killed me, dude. This crowd, who were dead silent for the first, like, five to six minutes of the match, who then got distracted from the match... Like, to watch Chris Jericho for another minute after all this, after all the not caring and getting distracted, Frankie Kazarian does one cool thing and they start chanting, this is awesome. Like, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Seems legit, bro. 
Seems legit. Which again, it's like I get if that was the effect you were trying to achieve from Jericho being present, I get it. Just could you not have timed it differently? That's it just all cracks me up out of like so clearly not giving a shit about the match, but then start chanting this is awesome because like it's just like a programmed response in them now, you know what I mean? Like right? oh, I saw one Hive cool moment. This is man. awesome. <laughs> Hive mentality, man. Um and then uh, Kazarian, like, tried to pin both of them at once at one point. He had, like, one guy underneath him and one guy was, like, sitting on, like, holding his arms or some shit. I don't, I don't even remember. I just know he had, like, both of them at one time. It wasn't, like, a full-on I'm trying to pin both, but he had both of them in, like, submissions, I guess. And it was impressive. And then some more things happened that happened so fast I couldn't really have time to write that write them down or process but then at one point everyone gets back in the ring and Scorpio gets thrown into his teammate into the turnbuckle so that's another one of those moments I was like ouch I felt and the thing about that like if you think about being the person on the bottom end of that like yeah being Kazarian getting a giant ass dude thrown into you yeah and you can't really like fake that or soften it because there's a turnbuckle behind you you have no way to go like, you, you literally just have to take a person when thrown into you. There's no way of softening just, it. Like, and just absorb it like a tank. And then another another note of I wish I'd stop cutting to Jericho and his crew. This feels like some WWE bullshit was my note. <laughs> so that happened. And then I was like, now everyone's in the ring. We're coming in with crazy moves. This is getting chaotic. And then we get to that moment you mentioned where SCU has both of them in Dragon Sleeper submission holds and the commentators don't even know who the legal man is. And I'm just, I just sort of noted like, what the fuck is happening? But this is one of the moments of good what the fuck is happening. This is like chaos that I liked. Also because it was the first time in the match and we're close to the end. Other matches, I feel like we get here too early. We get to that chaotic, fuck the rules, everyone for themselves without any proper build-up or a chance yeah, to see we them both respecting agreed. the rules. We both agreed that, like, the way the matches should be structured is that as the teams get more and more tired and more and more desperate for the win, the match naturally descends into chaos because both teams one, are desperate. You this know? one like, makes more sense because if this ended in a tie, they're just giving the Lucha Bros the win. Because yeah, yeah, there's, like, they're both eliminated and they're the They've only got left. a time limit, there's big stakes on the line. Like, it and makes the time sense limit's that- only 20 minutes, it's not a long time. Yeah, so it makes sense that as that time limit approaches and approaches, you're going to get more and more desperate and result to more and more, you know, shenanigans. Yep. So, like I say, it makes sense that when a match naturally deteriorates over time into chaos rather than just starting as chaos. Like. Yep. And then I'm sure this was probably one of the most gift moments of the match. And then Grayson gets to the top rope and he has Grayson along with um, Uno and the ref and him all in the corner and Kazarian and then Scorpio is like more in the middle of the ring. He walks on the shoulders of all three other people of Kazarian, the referee and Uno to then leap off and like Hurricane Rana Scorpio in the middle. And I was like, what the fuck? What circus shit is this? I'm sure the ref is like, I did not sign up for this. Like, excuse me, can you get this large man off my shoulder, please? Hello? But I also liked that she seemed totally fucking unfazed by it. She was just like, yeah, whatever. But also, I was like, Jesus, what, this woman's a superwoman. Clearly. But yeah, he literally just walked across three people to do the thing. And he did the thing. And then we get, this is the part where then Grayson... Uh, was distracting the ref in the apron because then Uno gets a pin on Scorpio because Scorpio's just taking all this shit, but he lost about a second and a half, maybe even two seconds, 
uh, of the ref not counting because Grayson was distracting her. But it's like, well, there you go. You were distracting her earlier in your favor. Now you're distracting her and it's not working for you. Balance. I guess I'll take it. And then we get, uh, I'm skipping some stuff because, again, th this match was fast. Like, there was stuff just happening. There wasn't lots of downtime, so I, I didn't get a chance. I can't type that fast. But then the next thing I got a chance to note, there was, like, an assisted DDT uh, to one of the Dark Order guys on the apron that just one of those moments where just, like, his back is perfectly just, like, aligned with the, the corner of the apron. You can just feel that that impact and that crack, and you're just like, ooh, ouch. And then they go to set up. I'm guessing, is it was it their finishing move where one of them, Scorpio, lifts the guy on his shoulders to then throw him off his shoulders into Kazarian's knee? Yeah, that's it's okay. called SCU later. Yeah, they, I had that written in quotes, and I, that's why I was asking. Cause I, I, I think that's funny. I like the wordplay in that name. There's one, I'll take it. So there's only one moment in the match that you didn't comment on that I'm very surprised that you didn't comment on, which is when, I think it was Scorpio Sky was outside the ring. No, no, it's Scorpio Sky and Stu Grayson win the ring and Frank Kazarian was outside on the other side of like one of the turnbuckles. Mm -hmm. And Scorpio Sky is like chasing Stu Grayson across the ring and then Stu Grayson just like yeets himself over the fucking turnbuckle to the outside of the ring. Oh, I remember that, yep. Like, Jesus Christ, I remember that. dude. <laughs> like, just like yeet flew. is the appropriate verb to describe what happened. He just he flew. And like over the turn, not even over the rope, like over the whole turnbuckle. Like, it was insane. It was madness. What yeah, do you I think of the uh, finishing move? I liked it. Like, it, it looked, impact-wise, it looked like it could be a finisher. Because if you got enough momentum when you he hits the knee, like, that could... That could take a person out easily. I will say it, the one thing is it seems, and then and then actually no, I take that back. I guess because I was gonna say it seems a bit too quick and easy to do, like it could throw it in there. But no, I guess you, the person needs to be tired enough that you can get them onto your back and onto your shoulders without them you know, and also, punching you or like getting out of it. So and also quick and easy to do can sometimes be a really good thing for a finisher. Like there's a wrestler called Randy Orton whose finisher is like called the RKO. And literally all it is is just like a cutter, you know, where you just sort of grab someone's head and slam it into the mat. And it became famous and like one of the most beloved finishers of all time because he became famous for just hitting it out of nowhere. Like he would just hit it at the most random points in matches. Like his opponent would go for like a, a moonsault off the top rope and he'd catch them into it or something, you know, and stuff like that. He just hit, like, it became famous for being hit out of nowhere. So sometimes having your finisher been able to sort of be done quickly and surprisingly can be a really good thing because it can lead to some really cool sudden surprise moments yeah no that's that's a good point well then, yeah i thought it was a pretty solid finisher and it's also like like so i wrote it as a question but i clearly still could tell that was a finisher without knowing because a lot of times i feel like some of these matches we've watched and i'm like i wouldn't know to me it just looks like another wrestling move and i just assume because i haven't seen it done before because i'm still new to this like that one looked like a finisher Yep. And it was only used once right at the end, like worth it. But, and it was, and I felt like we could all feel the wind coming anyway. So it's not like the finisher was telegraphing anything to us that we didn't already know. Um, Yeah, my thoughts on this match overall were kind of like, if I was the one rating it, I'd probably give it just like a 2 to a 2.5. Like, the wrestling was good, but not standout good. You know, it was just good, solid wrestling. 
And then there were like those weird moments like the audio level's been off and the crowd not caring about the match and the Chris Jericho stuff that sort of detracted from it. So like most of my complaints weren't even the wrestler's fault. You know what I mean? Like the actual wrestlers did their job. They went out there and had a good wrestling match. Yeah, exactly. But there were just other factors sort of outside their control that made it like a meh. <laughs> just a meh. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree. And like I was actually going to give it like a two and a half, but then I wanted to give it a three just because I did feel so bad for the wrestlers like being overshadowed. I thought they did do a good job and I felt almost felt bad giving them lower when they kind of did everything that they could do. But, yeah, is what it is. Yeah, shit happens, you know. It's the nature of live TV, you know. Um, so, yeah, now we know who the finals is going to be. It's SCU versus the Lucha Bros. What, what are your thoughts? Are you excited for that match? Think it's going to be good? Who are you I mean, for? I think it's going to be good because the Lucha Bros have such a good history and reputation like i don't think they let the lucha bros be in a mediocre match i guess if that makes sense but also it means i'm sure a lot of people going in have very high hopes for that match so it could very easily be let down as well so i feel like it could go either way yeah um the lucha bros tend to have a very certain style of match which is 110 miles per hour non-stop action all the time like just never take your foot off the fucking accelerator pedal like you know that's that's what they do like they just go at a million miles an hour it's like it'll be interesting to see how that because like seu have good matches but they're not at that same pace you know what i mean so it'll be interesting to see if like whether it's the lucha bros sort of like meeting seu's pace or whether seu you know go at that faster pace you know yeah, so, guys, thank you very much for listening. Laura, do you have any last comments before we disappear into the ether? Um, no, I guess so. Just everyone, hope you're all staying safe, stay healthy during these crazy times, living through a pandemic. And I'm sure you've heard it from everywhere else, but just, again, reiterate, if you're not practicing social distancing, please do there there's 25 other episodes of our podcast you can listen to if you haven't if you're looking for something to do uh we both live stream on twitch there's just the internet exists there's so much things to do and so much content so lots to do while you're staying at home and helping literally save lives so um yeah like like laura says there's actually technically there's more than 25 because we don't number special episodes so there's actually a bit more than 25 episodes so yeah go check out our other episodes if you haven't thank you very much for listening if you want to keep up to date with the podcast you can follow it on twitter at mam wrestling we post all new episodes there and there you can contact us and pass on any feedback or any questions you have for either of us or anything and if you want to follow us more personally i have an instagram hanzo kurosawa and laura has twitch twitter instagram the whole works the whole the shebang well laura k483 and once again, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, everyone.